Hello and welcome to episode 27 of The Dive. That's we, what I like to hear. Uh-huh, we are here in Wuhan after week one of the group stage, before week two of the group stage. I'm Jat with Azale. Azale, it's me. <laughs> yeah, Kobe. Yes, sir, I'm here. And our first time guest, not Deficio, the European caster who didn't jinx them, Vettius. <laughs> Hello, this is not Deficio. It's, uh, it is, in fact, Vettius. Hello. Yeah, so what did you think about Deficio's jinxing of the... European teams on Twitter after Misfits beat TSM. I mean, he's literally ruined our region. He's pretty <laughs> much the sole purpose of uh, our defeat right now. Uh, when they were in that, when Fnatic were in that close game against the Mortals, and Reckless saw Pobelta in his mind, he goes, "How can I make Deficio proud?" <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was the moment that uh, Deficio ruined us. What's funny about that is like we're memeing about that, and Deficio got like a bunch of I think mostly joking tweets, mostly. But in the LPL. That's an actual thing that the broadcast accounts for because the fans are so passionate. They'll think like, if this guy used to play on Team WE, he cannot cast Team WE because when he gives analysis during the game about what they should have done, the fans just hate him for not giving them that advice beforehand and then blame the caster for the loss. <laughs> so they don't let them broadcast those teams. So uh, be careful, okay. Deficio. And that's why we want to kicked him off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 He's serious. You know what I'm disappointed about is every time I watch Vidius content, I get the fantastic intro. So even though they couldn't see the intro, I was wondering maybe if you could just do an intro. You were hoping that I would do some crap, do a little dance, some interpretive salsa, or he just did a salsa dance and took his shirt off. I'm just gonna say that was epic. Okay, so let's do a quick recap of the first week. Korea lost a single game. NA did great, six and three. It's almost like they've never gone (laughs) six and three before. It's exactly what they did last year and the year before, as far as overall records are concerned. Uh, But what was your biggest surprises, basically, of the first week of Worlds? Start with you, Kobe. I'm not ready. Why you start with me? (laughs) All right, start with you, Isaac. I mean, I think one of the big things that did stand out to me, although EDG has kind of failed in the past, I actually did give them the credit that they could do well in this group. I mm-hmm. thought that it was like a very manageable group for them. Yes, C9 can look very strong, but AHQ traditionally people have very low expectations for. And this should have been a group that EDG was competing for second, right? Or, or even pushing for first. And although they did almost beat SKT, they had that one really amazing game. They end the first week 0-3. No one has ever come back to make it out of groups after starting mm-hmm. 3 I think Group D was probably the most surprising overall like initially we all came in and we right. were like flash was probably aren't gonna be that good and then we spoke to some of the teams and they're like no flash was really good and then i was like oh okay i'm sold flash Wolves, they could be really good and they have that really close game against tsm and then they end going zero three and they actually don't look that amazing and then misfits suddenly finished two and one which is yeah surprised everyone first game which was pretty bad yeah exactly right so i think group d's just been full of surprises and i still think that uh right now it's a super close race between w misfits and tsm uh, they are all two and ones. So that would make sense, um, uh, but I I don't I think flash rolls could cause a lot of upsets next yeah. week. Yeah, I'm technically the most surprised with RNG. Actually, I did think that the LPL teams are usually like the second best region, uh, but I just didn't expect them to have a deathless game against Samsung uh, and also be undefeated in uh, in that group. So. The, the level at which they have shown up so far was one of my biggest surprises. I guess I would pose the question then. Are you more surprised at their level or Samsung's kind of weaker level, you know? Because to me, yeah. RNG played well, but RNG didn't play like 
wow, it's so beyond my expectations. It yeah. felt more to me like Samsung was below. And that's going to be the question after the first week of Worlds because there's always so much that changes between week one and two because specifically the Samsung versus Fenerbahce game was atrocious yeah. by Samsung to still get the win. I have to say, though, even in that Samsung RNG game, I think the most surprising part was not that they lost, uh, it was how they lost, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it, it wasn't this, oh, RNG are rushing them down with some crazy super early game aggression, right? Uh, it was some early lane swap. Like, they, they just swapped on the BF Sword, took down the turret. It was actually a fairly slow game. Yeah. Methodical for, for the early phases. Then they get a couple of picks. They win two team fights. Uh, and they just crushed Samsung. Yeah, and even the RNG game against G2, like even though G2's 1 and 2 only with their winning against Fenerbahce, like, I haven't seen RNG play like that before. Yes, they were the slowest team by average game time at Worlds, so obviously they can play late game. But that was still with this aggressive flair in the early game, where when they got to the mid game, they just kind of meandered around. Whereas this game, the RNG G2 game that surprised me so much, is they picked the late game team comp. I thought Sven and Mithy played a perfect laning phase with Trist Lulu yeah. rotating around and getting the two turret snowball at the start of the game. But G2 just like warded well, never overengaged, kept the gold close, and then only punished on the big team fights. That was just such a strong macro game from RNG as far as playing around the late game that it was just surprising. The one thing I would point out that I feel like people are kind of over overlooking is I actually think that for G2... I didn't feel like expect got almost anything done at all on the NAR. So it's like if you True. want to attack, if yeah. you want to attack the pick or the player or whatever, you, or you want to attack the vision around that. Yes, he's playing against a Twitch, which makes it hard to split push. But if you're gonna pick a NAR and build Black Cleaver, Frozen Mallet, and then go even with a Maokai and then team fight, like that's just not worth it, right? Yeah. There's not really a world in which that is then a good pick, especially when you're up against almost a pure AD comp. If if he accepted that he couldn't split push, then to me you have to go like straight randomins and these sorts of builds, but. I just felt like when you compare how much NAR got done in that game to even when you look at like the Hauntzer, Hauntzer game on NAR, sure. right? Like you can see how much space a, a NAR can create for their team and expect really got almost nothing done and then limited use in team fights. My only uh, counterpoint to that would be that watching that game, I thought that G2 intentionally tunneled everything onto Sven. Like they were moving him off onto side lanes all the time. Then don't pick Nar. Yeah, that's fine, right? Yeah. Like I agree with you. But um, what disappointed me most about that game was I don't think in the team fight Sven played exceptionally well. Uh, the fact that he gets caught out mid uh, by the Maokai and the fact that uh, his positioning in a few fights were a little questionable. Like I, I don't know if the pressure just got to him or if yeah, I don't. Know. I don't think it was his greatest game, and it was it was a little surprising. Yeah, it was also a uh, coincidence that. Just before that game, they put up the the quotes. League of, uh, Lowell Esports is putting up these quotes from all the players. And Sven's quote was, uh, he's happy with this meta because he'd rather be the one to lose his team the game well. than have someone else on his team <laughs> lose them the game. And he's the one who got caught you know, twice in that late game. So, uh, you know, you live and die by it. But he's happy to be in that position. Kobe, do you have your most surprising thing? Yeah. I'm su- actually, I'm surprised that you guys, none of you said the Fnatic opening was a surprising thing to you um, because Fnatic going zero and three and not only their on the rift performance, but then the entire team like Kaboom uh, <laughs> as far as the, the internal oh, arguments man. going and, yeah. and people are already <laughs> coming out with, oh yeah, there's a bunch of behind the scenes drama and uh, the team is like falling apart from the insides. That This kind of, complete collapse after week one uh was super surprising to me whereas like edg 
uh, you know, going 03 or underperforming. Yeah, it is su surprising on the fact that like it's they're the number one seed for LPL, yeah. but uh, you know, they do have a history at Worlds of uh, underperforming as well as like uh, being in the the weaker sort of LPL group for summer split. Yeah, and I think that transitions right well into just like going group by group for what we think is going to happen next week. We'll start based on the schedule and Group B, which is Fnatic's group, is going to be the one we touch on first. The thing that surprised me. Um, and this isn't even gameplay related. I never expected the dog chap, the dog champ meme to peak so perfectly. Uh, <laughs> the literal game where he hovers the Nasus, it gets picked against them. And the thing about that is, I don't think like Longju aren't just dank memers, as dank as the interview afterwards was from Khan. They just actually had seen the matchup play out before and smashed with it. But th that was one that was so simple that I just had fun saying dog champ for like 10 minutes and now I'm probably getting a little sick of it, but it was, it was amazing in the moment. I mean, I think it's actually a really good matchup. And when you looked at the team comp that, that they had against it, it actually made a lot of sense, right? It's yeah. not like there's a aggressive early junglers. Really it's magic damage from the entire top side of the map. NASA's can itemize very easily to survive that sort of, uh, of gameplay. And when you have like a free farm style lane and you don't get pressured very heavily by the jungler as a Nasus, it's super, super easy to take over a game like that. And that's why so as I think was so frustrated. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know everyone's super focused on that because it's so funny, but I actually don't think the Nasus was even a big part of that victory. Uh, like you talk about Nasus and you're going over the strengths versus tanks and stuff, and it's about this scaling and stacking up. This was the fastest game that we had at the entire world. Like, to be fair, he had he over even, 400 stacks. He didn't even have to, <laughs> though. If you look at where they crushed the other lanes so hard, Prey and Gorilla were outstanding. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, BDD uh, gets like his main champions. It's, it's, it's just, yes, so as was, you know, afterwards when he was tweeting out, he was pretty heated and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, angry in the moment. But, like, it it wasn't that wasn't the factor for for the entire game no, right it was it, wasn't. it was the overall crush there from yeah i agree with it was a good matchup and i do want to talk about soas for a little bit because of the salty tweets so to speak kind of throwing his team under the bus for not helping him what's interesting about this is just the dichotomy we have to have when like analyzing the way you talk about your team in league because khan said hey, I got to play Nasus because the rest of my team was really good and they are able to support me. And we're like, oh yeah, awesome, humble. And then Soaz being like, yeah, this really sucked because my team didn't support me. And we're like, Soaz, you're salty. But literally the winning player said the same thing as Soaz. It's just, you can't throw your team under the bus, exactly. in my opinion. Like, you always have to take one for the team, so to speak, and use your other avenues of internal communication to solve that rather than blasting them on social media because that's just going to make matters worse. That's, that's to me, is, is the big problem. It's, it's not that he thought that, like, because it's true. Because it's true. He because was put in a true. bad situation by his like, team. Maokai can maybe bully him a little bit at the start if you're saying the jungle's never going to be there. But this is a matchup you cannot win for long on your own. It's just the way it is. And you do need the jungler to come. But th the problem, as you said, is that that just destroys the team atmosphere. Like When you feel like you're being thrown thrown under the bus on social media, I feel like that it's immature, right? Like it, It's one of those situations where you need to be able to deal with it straight up with your teammate. And I think this is something that you know, while Soez may stand by what he said, I think he's not going to be happy about how he handled it. You know, mm -hmm. this is a situation where if you have to talk through with Broxa, you know, I think that's something that is, is going to be much more effective to actually fixing the results. But at the end of the day, I think if Fnatic had won a game or two earlier in the groups before this happened, I don't think you see that kind of a blow up because mm -hmm. to me, this was like 
yes, mathematically, it's not a must-win game, but no one has ever made it out from 0-3. To me, this was a must-win game, right? And when you lose that, it's like, well, Worlds is over. Couldn't even do anything. You know, got lane swapped on two games. This game, I'm in a counter matchup. Didn't get any help. Like, that sucks. I mean, uh, the issue I have with Fnatic is, like, looking at it from the European side, when they went to Rift Rivals, they kind of got exposed, as it were. They had this very linear play style, which... Uh, North American teams did a really good job of shutting down. And now it feels like that they've come into Worlds um, with another similar playstyle, which is like, hey, we're going to play a lot through bot lane. I mean, even their Immortal games, they literally left Soaz and they sent four people bot, I think at like level four, right? Mm -hmm. With a rise and stuff. So um, I think it's something that teams have identified and now they're just changing their focus away from caps and they're just tunneling onto Soaz because they think that his mental stability isn't that strong. They think if they just focus him, they can shut him down. And it feels like that also Fnatic are not willing to play through him, um, which I find fascinating because one of the things that Reckless said towards the very end of the regular season was, I trust my team more to carry. I don't feel that I need to be uh, making all these plays like on Kennen and on Twitch right. because I can trust the rest of my team more. And it just feels like they've regressed from that after they lost in... Uh, the semifinals to Misfits. But also I feel like this world should also give an indication of why Misfits was deserved of that uh, second spot from Europe. To, to be fair, Soaz even himself has said, like he's just a, he's a more of a smart player than a mechanical player. And I'm sure. talking about that on Twitter. And I don't think you can always play through him that much if he's just going to be on tanks, right? Like if you're going to be like a con style mm -hmm. player or flamer or haunter or whoever, and you're going to be playing more carry oriented stuff, then you can do that. But it's hard to play through him if, if all he's going to play is Maokai and whether that's the team choice or his choice or whatever, that's, that's another story. But to story, be fair, but, but like during the regular season, he had great Nar games. He had great Camille games. Like I'm not going to pick it. You can't play through him. And I'm not, I'm I mean, not that's blaming fair, him. Right? Yeah, I'm just of course. saying like as a team choice, right? I think it's, that's something that has to be taken into consideration. Especially right now, considering the meta, I mean, bottom lane is how, is what you want to play through. Or you can play through mid in the early game and use mid to transition your team yeah. to, to later. To <laughs> bot, right? You know, early on in the game, of course, bottom lane is all about mining as much gold as you possibly can uh, for <laughs> your support. Gold. Basically, yeah, yeah. I, like yeah. That. I like that. Relic it's shields, good. gold, you know, quints and stuff like that. Um, but so it seems to me like uh, my optimal way to play in the meta right now would be to play through mid lane, mid lane early for jungle control or vision. Uh, while bottom lane just kind of farms up and then you transition down there and it does suck for top laners right now that mm -hmm. that i feel like is the best way to go because you know top lane gets stuck with a tank or something like that um but I, yeah. I honestly just feel like that is the one with the highest probability of success then that opens the door for these you know nasus picks and stuff though and, and i like and stuff. that's why we like that we have longju and teams like that to correct for what is the majority of the teams are going to do yeah because we have Fnatic down there at 03 which um they still had a very close game against Immortals yep. and then a very volatile game against Gigabyte Marines. So if they're not completely boom mentally, I can see a world in which they actually could pick up two wins in that group. And I think that's the biggest factor uh, is, the, is you know how can Fnatic regroup after this? Because they're playing Longju early on in week two. Mm -hmm. And yep. if you... It's another 22-minute like, game, right? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Fisher. It's on the same day. <laughs> he's like, okay, yeah. if Longju is the last one that you have, yeah. and then like you have you the whole confidence. day, exactly, you have the whole day to like, all right, we beat Gam. All right, we beat Immortals. Now we have this chance. If we beat Longju, we can force this tiebreaker. But like, if you lose the Longju super early on in the day, then that does that just like crush the well, morale? The only bright side is that so I did tweet like we're determined to get at least one satisfying win before mm -hmm. we leave Worlds. So mm -hmm. like, you can look at the bright side that 
from his perspective, they're going to try. But yeah, I think that the big difference between week one and week two is now you play your entire group and then one bad game at the start of the day couldn't affect your mentality for the rest of it. Because like also thinking about other groups, Uzi is also a player that I've heard if you put him behind, he can struggle yeah. to, to recollect himself. So To be fair, he was behind in the G2 game and, and had an incredible game. Exactly. Uh, other teams in the group, Gigabyte Marines, they had the most exciting opening we have ever seen worlds. They lane swapped. They looked amazing. They pulled Nocturne out at level five. Uh, since then, they've teleported into a turret at level one as Mordekaiser <laughs> and died. And they have also done Healing Knight, Lulu, and Standard Lanes and died a bunch. They also had the most exciting first three minutes of the second game of Worlds. <laughs> I was hyped up. I was. <laughs> and then the game was over at 320 uh, when Longju showed us that you could still turret dive 4v2 mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they're both level one pretty easily and then take the turret. Yeah, the best part of that game is uh, they bring back the old lane swap wards mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, yes. That's should, why people <laughs> stop doing we it. We should uh, prepare against lane swap meta, uh, even if it's extremely old, against this team that lane swapped literally the last time that we saw them <laughs> yeah. in national bed. Uh, so preparation definitely is huge here, especially for group B. Yeah. I, I think that the Marines will still pull out a new thing, um, but so. it's looking less and less reliable. The more we get into it, like it's not even just the fact that like their strategies don't work. It's that their players are making so many mistakes. Uh, I didn't get to call it out in the cast, but the the team fight where Lulu died by accident because Lulu moved oh, yeah. into a realm warp <laughs> yeah. as they were trying to pick Cody's son, and Cody's son's Rakan just pulled back his feather storm with blade collar and killed the Lulu that just appeared for like a third of a second and then died. It yep. was uh, kind of hilarious, but just a lot of individual mistakes from their support, from Archie in the top lane, and like that's the main reason that they're losing to me. And the the regression from like from game one. You know, people. Some people call it the cheese. There's been a lot of discussion about, oh, should it be called that or not? I, I don't think it should. But everything that they did made a lot of sense as far as planning. It felt like it was very planned out. The power farming of this nocturne, you know, pushing everything into that. It felt like everything was well thought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, not only just individual mistakes, but in the third game against Immortals, I don't know if after Longshore they're like, oh, we were gonna lane swap, but we can't because now Immortals will just do this to us. But the heel ignite Lulu made no sense at all to me, and I talked. Talk, I talked to this a little bit on the desk. I think it can work fine if you're playing a snowbally type lane. They're playing against Zyra Khan as Kogma Lulu. Yep. Like that is a losing lane, <laughs> and it's not a snowball lane. If, if they pick Draven or something, and then they're like heel ignite Lulu, and it's like an exhaust Draven or whatever, and you're just gonna do this all in crazy cheese, and you're gonna try to smash them in lane, then that makes some sense. But when you're sitting under your turret and trying to farm out a lane with heel ignite. It made it so mm. hilariously easy for mortals to pick on this Lulu. I mean, Smithy and Pobelter are coming down nonstop, and they didn't even try to go for the Kogma because they knew the Lulu was a guaranteed kill every time. And Lulu's already one of the more vulnerable supports for yeah. the bottom lane. Yep. Um, I was talking to a couple of the support players about differences between Janna and Lulu because it, it actually has been coming down to personal preferences, and that was another one of the weaknesses for her. So by taking the heal instead of Flash, uh, you're just exacerbating her issue that already exists there. And as you said, it was an easy and very clear focus uh, from the very beginning of the mm-hmm. game. I mean, during spring, it was Lulu Kama that were like the two premier supports. Mm-hmm. Then she had a slight nerve to her base health. And then coming into summer, everyone started picking Thresh. 
because you just pick the Thresh into the Lulu and you insta-kill her at level 2 or level 3 because of how literally squishy yep, she is, right. you know? So now because of Arden Sensor, you can't do that as much anymore, but Rakan is the same sort of champion that can literally just all in you at level 2 and then that's a squishy Yordle. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> Immortals uh, had a pretty good showing as well, but what's interesting about this is like we can look at this 2-on-run record and say, yeah, Immortals, awesome. If fanatic played better around their bottom lane lead uh, in that game immortals would be one and two and we'd actually have like a three-way tie down at the bottom of this group and the conversation would be much different but that's literally yeah. the line that decided this was reckless getting a little overly ambitious at the end of that game and immortals winning it because other than that they've been losing you know the long game they technically had a lead i thought their early game yeah, was, was good say, it was impressive early. but there's been so many little mid-game hiccups that i hope you can attribute to nerves but are pretty worrying going down that actually reminded me of a really good point here for Fnatic because we've been pretty negative on Fnatic overall, um, but mm -hmm. their game versus Immortals, especially the beginning of it, I actually thought they came in with a really good game plan. Uh, they saw the Jace top and they're like, okay, they're 100% going to camp top. This Jason to Cho'Gath is one of the worst matchups that we have in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, Longju did this already and and won the game through Khan on the top. So they're like, okay, we're we're making a conscious choice to abandon that top lane, abandon Soaz on Cho'Gath, and play through the bottom lane, through Reckless. They absolutely snowballed out of control on the mm -hmm. bottom side of the map. And er early on watching this, you know, from NA perspective, I was like, oh, crap. Like, we are actually screwed. That is a, yeah. such a good answer to, you know, someone trying to win through top lane is just snowball off bottom lane because that's where the Ardent Sensor is. And you basically get two fed members for the price of one. Yeah. And you just have Cho'Gath build full tank and get all his free stats up there. However, it it broke down in the late game for them, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it, I also think it's smart because Jace traditionally has trouble contributing in team fights. You know, it's more of a, you have to crush the side lane super hard. And although Flame was doing really well, if you just get to the point where you're stabilizing, you can like wave clear, then it, then the Jace starts to be kind of neutralized. Whereas a Twitch to me like is so much more powerful in the team fights. But I think what Immortals did very well is kind of like draw their battle lines, play defensive, sit back, allow themselves to farm up. And, and whether you want to say Fnatic did a poor job of finding fights or Immortals did a good job of avoiding them or a combination of both, to me that, that you know the famous kind of engage that Reckless had where he's flashing forward came from frustration, came from a lack of being able to find fights. Because mm -hmm. you know watching that game, it felt like it was about 20 minutes of Reckless in, you know, in camouflage. He's, he's stealthing yeah. around. Yeah. He's looking Waiting for an opening. For fight. It's not there. Immortals back off. He looks again. It's not there. They back off. He finally sees who he thinks is a solo pull belter. And you know, eyes kind of go big. This is the hero moment. I can win the game. And to me, that just kind of spoke of, of impatience or getting frustrated from not being able to find openings. But I, there was one moment in that game where I, I felt like you can either praise Fnatic. I mean, it's definitely worth praising Immortals just because of how well Flame played it. Mm -hmm. But I think two members went bot. Oh, it was yeah, yeah, Soaz yeah, and Broxa. Yeah. And they both tried to kill him. And Immortals immediately went to Baron. That's how you play yeah. Split Push, right? Like Split Pusher draws pressure. You have a numbers advantage. You force an objective on the other side of the map. They immediately go to Baron. Flame gets that kill. Onto the survives. jungler and survives, and you're like, "This is where Fnatic are now going to crumble." Get the yeah, exactly right. Like literally, that one decision from Fnatic was just perfectly capitalized on by Immortals. And I, I think like there were there were a number of things in that game that allowed Immortals to come back. And I think they just did a great job of punishing. And the thing is about that, it was the decision that was great, but and then also it had these mechanical mistakes that that let uh, Immortals also be able to pull it off. Right? You're talking yeah. about you know bumping back the Cho'Gath so he's not able to get the, the feast off. And 
they they teleport out rise at the same time as like flame is cornered between the turrets and flame just shoots his way out uh, of that long lane and he even survives while getting the kill on abraxa with the last like 50 hp or whatever he had left was just such an epic moment yeah i mean that's the thing. That epic moment is the difference between a three-way tie for second in this group. Yep. Uh, which means there's still a chance. Like, Immortals is going to be real happy to have that win because it basically means that if they beat the Marines and Fnatic lose to Longju, like, congrats. They're through. Uh, but without that moment, we're having a much different conversation right and, now. And that's how tight a lot of the groups are, right? That, that's Worlds. It's very, very competitive. And in a lot of these groups, there is, okay, well, Longju, everyone's like, yep, okay, they're getting a group. Good job, Longju. But and, but there's only one other spot between three teams, and you have one super volatile team with Gigabyte, and they had two fairly comparable teams with, with Immortals and Fnatic. And we're going to touch on Longju real quickly, but we're going to have a lot of time to talk about Longju throughout world because these guys are going places there was a worry in the back of my mind that they had too many rookies or that they didn't necessarily play the meta and they were going to struggle a bit in group stage not even close like they have dominated Best team harder me. than anyone else in this group stage so congrats I, like they're just I, they're gonna go 6-0 i found it just a little funny that in their first game at worlds everyone was praising them for their their bot lane's ability to tank ganks and you know how how then they super easy times. yeah and then they yeah. die four times in a row right and i'm like Immortals, okay baby. yeah <laughs> this clearly isn't um this isn't indicative of the skill of the team and they mm -hmm. did a great job of coming back and um, i think they got a bit of a lucky baron i think it was a great call yeah. but at the same time it was just that very very small window that they had to take advantage of in the moment um but yeah, after that first game, uh, talking to Papa Smithy, it feels like that Gorilla was also a little nervous too. So it was great mm -hmm. to see that they very quickly bounced back, and I think that they're well on, well on their way to going six and zero. Sweet. Do we think there's going to be any differences in this group, or is Danny's going to stay the same? Longju Immortals, Gigabyte Marines, Fnatic. I mean, I think I think three and four could could swap around, yeah. but those were the teams that I thought would probably end up yeah. at the bottom anyway. And I don't see this epic comeback from Fnatic happening when it's never happened before, and their kind of mental boom. Um, I would be excited to see if anyone could take a game off Longju, though. What's Immortals game order, Vettius? I know you have the schedule oh, yeah. up, so, up there. Well, because Immortals, they start the day uh, with Gigabyte Marines. That's they it. Have, uh, that's it for them, I think. If they, they win that, gap, in. And then Immortals have Fnatic they go up against. That's the second game. Okay. Yeah. And I, I just I don't see another way for the Gigabyte Marines to, to really surprise people now that everyone is going to level one invade them for deep wards. Mm -hmm. If you level one invade this team and get the deep wards down and you see, you know, exactly what their early game plan is, I think, you know, no matter what they do in draft phase, I, I, it makes it so much more difficult to pull it off. The the thing about the Gigabyte Marines is um, it surprised me that they don't look to play more standard because when they played against TSM and MSI, they went to all five games, for the most yeah. part, I believe, just playing standard. Yeah. They didn't lay I mean, up a lot. So there, it's... They? It's that was standard. at the actual event, though. Like, during that best of five, they, they just played standard games. And yeah. Here's how I, I see Marines play. And uh, I know we're spending a lot of time on this group, but there's a lot of conversation in this group. Like, the Marines play differently than you expect, and there's more ways to play non-standard than just lane swapping versus not lane swapping. Because I feel like what they did a lot of at MSI was, like, normally your timings for bot dives is when your mid laner hits level six. Marines would do it at level five. And it will be 45 seconds before when you would expect it. Uh, so they do a lot of that type of adaptation. And lane swapping is just kind of one of those things. So I agree with you, like tunneling too hard on lane swaps is something I don't want to see. I want to see more of those things where they have an expected play and they go before it or they do something completely different. 
Yeah, timing based plays, I think, would be really interesting. But we can probably move on to Group C here. Sick. Uh, group C, obviously, the big uh, the big talk of the town, I think, is RNG. They played exceptionally well. Uh, to me, you know, the kind of shockers, if you will, are how Samsung underperformed versus you know RNG overperforming or whatever you want to actually call that. But this is a group where Korea did look very vulnerable. They almost mm-hmm. lost to 1907 Fenerbahce. Uh, they got slammed by RNG. Everyone knew that this was going to be a very hard group coming in. And, you know, G2 is kind of sitting on the outside now going into week yeah. two. Uh, as a European fan, it was heartbreaking when you see G2 start that Baron and you're like, that Twitch is going to murder all of you. And you can understand the logic, right? Because they did it before where they uh-huh. they took the Baron, they Rizold out it, uh, they used the Rizold to get out of the pit and then they walked away after losing their mid in here, right? And you're thinking, oh, this is really good. This Maybe the, the strat will work twice. But RNG, they just, they saw the strat once, they were super prepared for it and, and they punished G2 extremely. You know what I find interesting about that uh, Baron play? The first time they did it, it was 35 health from being stolen. Really? MLXG smote at 1,035 yeah, for 1,000, and then G2 got it with like an auto attack Holy before the realm moly. worked. Yeah, Rise, Rise got it. It was Rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it was a nice idea for play, but that Jeez. was a 50 50 right there. And then uh, they they had it at like 7,000 when MLXG went in the next yeah. time. It was like, screw this 50 50 garbage. <laughs> We're going to fight him with Twitch. So, I like the way they adapted to it at least. You also have to give credit to RNG for kind of forcing the situation, you know, because yeah. there are it's it's one of those situations where it's not an ideal Baron very clearly, and you're like, well, why are they taking it? It's because RNG has control of side waves. It's because RNG is kind of cutting off their options, and they know, you know, their inhibitor I believe was already down at that point. So it's like generally speaking, when the base is cracked and you give up a Baron, the game is probably over. Yeah, and I do think that uh, well, I, everybody thinks that Samsung is the most vulnerable Korean uh, team, obviously, because they did actually drop a game, but <laughs> also. They didn't drop the game versus uh, Fenerbahce, but they were very close and very worried <laughs> yeah. about dropping that game and making more mistakes there. So uh, this is definitely, you know, while originally when we saw the group draws, we were talking about Group D because there is no Korean team. But this mm-hmm. is almost even more exciting that we have one of the Korean teams, you know, getting very close to dropping games and then actually doing it. That always makes for a lot of entertaining, you know, uh, matchups in this one. Yeah, essentially the Fnatic Immortals game in this group was the same as the Samsung Fenerbahce game, where like one thing goes differently and you have a three-way tie yeah. for second slash last place. Uh, I'm, it, it is worrying for Samsung. In my heart, I feel like they will bounce back since they did make it to the World Finals and they are just a Korean team, and I've seen it enough times <laughs> that that's going to happen. Um, and also, I feel like the test for Haru failed. Uh, I thought after they got shut out by rng they were thinking okay haru plays ezreal maybe we'll get a little bit more early game tempo maybe that's what we need because they've been playing so slow i think the answer is emphatically no because of how bad they looked in the mid and late game with haru instead of ambition much like was the case whenever they subbed him in during the regular season or playoffs so i think we see ambition from here on out and i agree samsung did look really shaky and and i would say while you know there's a lot of talk about that because of the shot calling right like i didn't Mm -hmm. even think that haru played bad individually I actually was pretty disappointed with you know the performance of the of the snowball trundle and whether you want to say it's okay yeah. vision like they should have had more vision so Kuve could have pushed more aggressively or Kuve should have just kind of been more aggressive to actually be going on the turrets but Kuve got snowballed so ridiculously hard in an advantageous matchup and then basically just pushed mini waves to the turrets and farmed the jungle and he did this for like 20 minutes with an insane advantage he was thousands of gold up in a like a split push style build in an advantageous matchup. Mm-hmm. To me, I was very disappointed that he didn't play it more aggressively yeah. and actually just 
Like when you're against a Cho'Gath like that and you're that ahead, you literally ignore him. You just pillar him, pillar yeah. him away and you start hitting the turret. And, and that's all you have to do. <laughs> I really like this game because it gave us proof why people emphasize that aspect of Ambition's game so much. His yeah. leadership and his seniority. We could see such stark differences that it really does kind of back up all those points. Yeah, and I Turkey think, just getting excited, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, they could take a game. They're going to upset the group. Uh, they didn't. So their hope is lost, I think. I think it's still <laughs> <laughs> All right, kill that excitement now. No fun for you guys. Yeah, I mean, that was the one they were supposed to do because it is still going to be about RNG, Samsung, and G2. And it how do we see it shaking out? Right? I, I would also say that that, that story kind of happens a lot with Ezreal games. Like, you come out, you get your first blood after your well, like, guaranteed level two gank. Uh, and then it it kind of peters out there. <laughs> they got like three the kills game. top two in the first few minutes. Like he goes immediately up top. They kill they kill the Cho'Gath. Cho'Gath TP's back, gets killed again. Then Cho'Gath walks his ass back to lane like two minutes later. Dies again. And then they dive again. <laughs> so while I do agree, I think that it's like less on the Ezreal because yeah, the Ezreal's supposed to fall off, and it's more on the people. It's like. All right, I snowballed you, Crown. All right, I snowballed <laughs> you, Kuve. Now, what are you going to do for me? Crown starts Then they're all like, mm, you're slammed. supposed to tell me. Where's Because <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, laughs> Crown got bopped, and that was kind of how 1907 uh, was able to come back. Yeah. So, uh, we talked a little bit about RNG. We talked a little bit about G2. Vedius, what are your thoughts on the one and two start? Because as weak as we say Samsung looked, they went two and one, and by far their most uh, yep. decisive game was against G2. Uh, that was pretty much like, it, it was funny because of how well it fit the narrative that was set up for it, right? Which is like Samsung yeah. is basically the older brother of G2 because they mm -hmm. both play exactly the same styles. They're both going to pick exactly the same comps or comps that try to do the same thing. And then Samsung just do it better, which yeah. is pretty much what we saw. We saw G2 along with Fnatic actually try the strat of banning out uncensored supports um, because they like having Mythion and Engage. They think he's super reliable on it. And I think that um, looking at their RNG game, it was actually a really good indicator of how much the team actually struggles when they don't have that same level of engage. Um, the fact that I believe in their G2 RNG, it was um, Rek'Sai, Nah, Lulu, right? So they actually have no reliable way to start a lot of fights. And mm -hmm. you just see how much the team struggles without Mithy, who is one of their core shot callers, not being able to actually dictate the pace of fights and stuff. Yeah, and so what on. I found interesting in the first matchup we saw of G2 when they played Samsung, is we set up the story that they were going to be that late-game team, but then they played Alistair Ivern, which was actually, I think, a much more early game sure. to mid-game strategy, and got taken to late and then smashed. But I think that underwritten assumption that Samsung will play the late-game better than G2 will be challenged in the next round sure. because we've seen them struggle against Fenerbahce and we've seen them lose late game to RNG and we've seen G2 play RNG relatively even in the mid to late game. So uh, if G2, like if you want to be hopeful, wants to bounce back, like maybe that assumption is just wrong. Maybe they just beat Samsung just, in the late game. The biggest thing, like uh, one of the big discussions to Fisher and I have been having a lot is like they're just not fast enough. They're G2 is too much about getting the 80 to 90% play that goes in their favor. And whenever they evaluate and they're like, how risky is this play? If it's not above 70% success, they just they just don't take it. Um, and I think that's such yeah. a big issue in this group uh, because these teams are at a level with which they're willing to take those 50-50 plays. They're willing to like take the risk and take the gamble because they have such strong individuals. And 
Uh, I think that's what, right now what's separating G2 from the other two teams. Yeah, I think if, if G2 draft, uh, you know, the, the super stand, a super meta, uh, I think they actually have a pretty good chance. Sven played act so well against Uzi in their, their RNG matchup early on in the mm -hmm. lane phase. Yeah. Sven and Mithy actually played so well. And it wasn't until those later stages where he actually got picked off with the um, you know surprise in mid that it actually started turning on them. But to me, their early game was actually really strong. Yeah, and uh, speaking of this group in like a who will get out way, everyone is really confident about RNG's 3-0 now. They're like, Seems like it, yeah. we're getting questions. Are, is there a realistic chance that RNG can win worlds, win worlds challenge the, all the Korean teams? There's no way I'm willing to make that call right now. <laughs> yeah. Like they, To me, didn't have reliable enough victories, especially with how... Like, yes, they played super, super well against G2 dealing with the Trist power spike, but I also think G2 didn't necessarily take enough advantages on. And I've seen RNG do amazing in a group stage before. It was MSI 2016. They went 8-2, and two, I believe, in the 10-game group stage uh, and then got smashed by SKT once they got into the bracket stage. This group I can see potentially shifting a lot as we go forward because uh, as great as RNG was, like, they got reverse swept in the LPL finals. Like, this team can just do a 180 uh, with one moment. The big thing I think is now how much do teams grow in the short space of time they have because last year at Worlds, uh, G2 didn't. <laughs> we thought that maybe mm -hmm. after the week they would get better after the in the second week and unfortunately for them they couldn't. Whereas Korean teams always have the tendency of sometimes they look shaky in the first week. They almost always get better. Uh, yeah, they almost always improve. They just, they show way more respect to their opponents. They seem to have figured everything out and I think that Samsung, like, if you get a surprise win against them in week one, that's the best time to get it because I think it becomes that much harder in week two. And, and that's why I think it's it's such a hard group now for G2 because even yeah. though they do at least have the one win, even if you say, okay, you beat RNG and you beat you know, you know beat 1907 Fenerbahce in week two, great, you have three wins. But that's then expecting RNG to get no wins. You know, That's expecting Samsung to not pick up a couple wins. So they pretty much are, are painted into a corner where either Samsung you know, randomly lose all their games or RNG randomly lose all their games or they have to go 3-0 and then pray, you know. It, it's it's like their fate is kind of not really fully in their hands anymore. Yeah, I mean, the best thing Europe uh, can do right now is just pray that DeFisio is not casting the games because if he is, that's going to spell inevitable doom for, for EU. Yeah. Um, prediction? I think Samsung will 5-1, RNG will 5-1, and I think we're going to get a tiebreaker for first. That would be pretty big because first seed is so important to not get a uh, potential another Korean team, right? Yeah. You know, Samsung and RNG do definitely not want to see, great, you're having an awesome tournament, SKT in the quarterfinals. You know, <laughs> yeah. Long in the quarterfinals. All right. Have it would a be a one. good quarterfinal, though. <laughs> which, which team is uh, Samsung dropping their game to in your prediction? So they've already dropped the they've game. Already dropped so it? Yeah, they're going to 3-0 week two, oh. I think. I think they're going to bounce back. The final game of that day is Samsung versus RNG. Um, that would require that G2 doesn't have an upset game against either RNG or Samsung and that they take down Fenerbahce, which I think both those teams will do easily. Sure. I, I just see them being the more consistent force in Samsung. Like they, they played too slow. They almost overcorrected. Like you can tell there's a little bit going on there where they're definitely not settled and they absolutely are vulnerable. But I've seen them bounce back enough times at this point that I just I think they're going to do it. I think they have a stronger infrastructure so to speak to get that done i want to believe i know that's a bad word they have they have more experience like ambition 
has been at so many world championships, and the Samsung org, even just thinking back to last year when they played with the same roster, also had kind of that shaky week one where they lost to TSM in like 22 minutes, and then they just smashed the rest of the group stage. I mean, I want to believe in RNG just for the simple reason that you know, I, I don't think it was just Haru. I don't think it was any one thing. I think that there was a lot of poor individual performances and decisions from Samsung. So to me, it seemed like there were some problems. You know, even Kuvei, who gets so much credit in their loss against RNG, was just randomly getting caught out all the time. Yeah. I was disappointed with how he played from a lead in their win uh, over 1907 as well. Like Crown, there's a lot of talk about how he was pretty poor in summer. So I think that there are some holes in this team. And I, I want to believe that RNG is going to keep this up and and give us you know a genuine threat uh, from from a non LCK region. That's why I thought that game was so impressive. Where RNG's strategy in the early game, you know, swapping on the BF sword with a Tristana to push down turrets and get this early lead was so impressive. Um, the now I would like to see just the last thing that would make me fully on board with this RNG, uh, you know, to the top ship would be seeing them go late game with Sangsum or go late game fairly even with, uh, you know, teams like G2 and stuff. Right. And, and having that strategy post, you know, 30 minutes when, when Baron and Elder Dragon are both involved and you have more things on the map to think about uh, when you're making these choices of, do I shove my top wave fast or do I let it slow build? You know, what are you actually trying to build that pressure around? Vedius, is G2 going to make it out of group or is it an RNG Samsung no, it's fight almo- for first? It's almost certainly going to be uh, RNG Samsung. Um, it's just, <laughs> You're so it's sad. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever we talk to European casters, they're just like so dead inside. It's like, uh, yeah, because like the just thing wait is, until we can talk yeah, about you just, yeah, yeah, miss, woo, group you just got used to being NA. We've had three years in a row with a six and three record in week one, yeah. and cumulatively had had one of those teams make well, it. This, this, is, this is TSM's group last year, right? Yeah, they started true. one and they yeah. still didn't make out. It's a damn hard group, and yeah. we knew that going. But in, it's but. Uh, it's. It's just unfortunate for G2 because I feel like they've they've grown a lot this year. Um, like I'm sure TSM have a very similar narrative of like, we're not just going to dominate our region in terms of the other game. We're going to understand better how to play the whole game. Um, and even though, like, I feel like they demonstrated more of what they could do at MSI. Their group stages were still rough, but it's one of those things where we really want to see G2 in a best of five against a... Uh, someone that is an skt right <laughs> we Long just June? like <laughs> that'd be fine like i'm fine with g2 oh, okay. versus longju right but i just in a best of five that's but that's what we want to see them right like that's what um i as a european fan really want to see just like because there's so many you know it's one of the big excuses we have for them right yeah, exactly like, they're a best gonna, of five yeah, team you know oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i was gonna say right? i want to see it so that we it can, can be disproven right that, exactly yeah. right that's what <laughs> that's all i want so it would be great if they could get out of groups but they're gonna um the only thing that i could possibly think of is that to me rng have not come across as like so superior to the other teams in their group like they mm-hmm. fell to an early lead against Fenerbahce, they fell to an early lead against g2 and it was super slow and pretty even against them and samsung um and arguably a lot of analysts said that even samsung like they didn't play that great so um the only thing is if rng come into week two still feeling confident still feeling good and they don't actually improve at all that could be a point that g2 could suddenly swing over but it's it's unlikely Sweet. Group D is the one that's going to be on Saturday. That is the most dynamic group I Easiest think we have at the Road Championship. TSM 2-1, <laughs> Misfits 2-1, Team WE 2-1, and the Flash Wolves 0-3.
that that's what's required for three teams that's, to be two and one. That would that to me is the the funniest story of this group because coming in all of our prep and you know talking to all the LMS analysts, they're like, yeah, you should have low expectations for you know the mm-hmm. LMS teams. This was not the greatest split for us, yep. um, and especially mm-hmm. uh, with eight. Uh, Hong Kong attitude getting knocked out in the playing stages. Yep. Everyone was even lower. And then we all flew uh, over here to China and I started talking to people in about the boot camp and all Flash the players looks really good. All the players from the boot camp were like, Oh man, our, our group's so much harder now uh, for TSM. Uh, the yeah. flash was actually looking really good. And then, you know, you talk to the other side and they're like, Oh yeah, flash Wolves did really well in the boot camp. So and then, we start thinking about it. It's like, Oh man, they probably just don't care that much about the LMS. Cause it's so easy for them. Maybe <laughs> They're actually just really good. Now they're 0-3. Like, LMS's only win has been against another 0-3 team in EDG. <laughs> to be fair, they Hong Kong they Attitude got 3-0 by Fnatic in the play-in bracket stage. To be fair, they almost beat TSM at the start. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of a, another one of those situations where it's you're kind of left with some what-ifs, right? Similar to Fnatic. Ooh, what if, yeah. what if Fnatic win that game against Immortals? Maybe they don't The problem, maybe they don't the explode, problem with keep right? on bringing up that storyline is that the, that's what happens when you of course, have best it happens of to one everyone. group stages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it happens to everyone. It happens to two-and-one teams as well, right? You know, what if what if TSM plays more respectfully in their early game against Misfits and exactly. so on and so forth, right? There's always going to be those, but at the end of the day, they are 0-3. Uh, and they, to me... Like I actually had a fair bit of hope for them after the TSM game, not just because they barely lost, but because mm-hmm. I actually thought that they looked like pretty good yeah, in that game. They did. I lost all hope for them after, <laughs> after their last game. I was actually like really just not enjoying watching them against WE because I felt like everything looked bad. It's like their macro play is not looking very good. Their lanes are not looking very impressive. Their team fight coordination nonstop throughout that game. It's like half the people are going in, half the people are running away. Hey, Maple's They're, decent. Maple had had good macro movement. He's moving yeah. around taking towers. That's about all you can say. I mean, yep. there was so many times in in that where it's like Maple's diving in on Vladimir and Betty's like alting away on Tristana, alting away the eighty carry. Oh, that was the Tarek game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like, the oh god, where, yeah. You know, and they're dropping Tarek alts with no one even within a thousand units of them. Like, it was C Rumble alt. Press R. Yeah. Yeah. Even though there was nothing to keep you yeah, in the Rumble yeah. Alt and you can walk out of it. And and they had Engage. To me, that's how you better use Terra yeah. Ultimate, right? You have Hard Engage. You run forward with your Hard Engage. Then you press the Terra Ultimate. Then you're fighting and it's good. And yep. just everything was off off yeah. the rails, it felt like, for Flash Wolves. There's a chance there's a little bit of tilt going into that last yeah. game because they didn't expect to be 0-2 and yeah. like, they just hadn't quite clicked for them. Um, one thing I do want to touch back on is like, isn't this the fourth year in a row Flash Wolves has been at Worlds, or it's at least three? It's the third year. I third year. Okay, so they missed. They, they made group stage. Uh, they made it out of the 2015 group 15. stage. That was the year of origin. That's but then I last year they lost to Imei and Cloud9 and, and went yes. two and four, which was kind of last in that group. And then this year they're 03. So the at least we we can start to kind of put to bed the they're always underestimated coming into these things <laughs> and then always overperform until next week. Because those games were close, right? Those games were close. And that's the most interesting thing about this group to me is this is not 1907 Fenerbahce sitting at 03 with three ties at 2-1. and one. Every game that the 2-1 and one teams play against Flash Wolves are going to be a threat to drop the game, yeah. especially now that we're moving into this three games on one day format. How are you going to index your prep against all these different teams? Where yeah. are your main strategies going to be? You're not going to probably make your main strategy against Flash Wolves, and that's when I think they have a chance to get you. And they're only two games out of first, technically speaking, because no one is three zero. So if there is ever a chance for an O three team to make it out of groups, which has never happened after you go week one, 
in the first week to making it out in week two. This would technically be the team that has a chance to do that. I think EDG as well, sitting at zero and three, might be uh, a team that has a chance to do that. But we can debate that uh, when okay. we get to the next group. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We'll touch on that. Okay, what do we think about the teams at, at two and one though? Who's the most likely to emerge? Is Misfits. The... Yeah. <laughs> Tell me why, boy. Most uh, likely. Go. Most likely. So I. Okay. Most likely, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you can't um, even be excited yeah, about this team. I can be excited, but the, I have to be honest first and say that I had no faith in Misfits coming into Worlds simply because have I some faith after the TSM game. I de- yeah for sure. I mean I think that um what we had the opportunity to see was that. These young players adapt really quickly. And after their crushing defeat against WE, they -hmm. very quickly identified their issues. They got better used to the stage. They wiped off the nerves. And then in their game versus Flash Rolls, it was long and it was drawn out. But they seem to be playing a much more controlled and much more sensitive. Exactly. They they just played much better. Classic trundles. Uh, and then against their TSM game, they had uh, they. I felt like they played the best out of all three games. So it just shows that this team gets better very quickly, and uh, you just have to give a lot of credit to the behind the scenes coaching staff that they do have. Like they've got a lot of support in terms of like they have a, not a psychologist, but like a that kind of assistance. Um, they have a really good coach in Hussein. Like their support staff for a very young team is very good because it just helps them. Okay. Where are the issues? What have we got to do? And because they're all young players, they don't have these egos. They don't have this set in stone. I have to play this way. They're all very quick to adapt and they all really just want to get better as a team. And that's, I I definitely agree. I thought they showed a lot of positives in their game versus TSM. Good draft starting out. Yes. I have some gripes with TSM and you know, uh, some of the things they left open early on and giving over, you know, Zaya like second rotation and stuff like that. But uh, they capitalized on that so well. And then it wasn't just one of these games where you're like, okay, there's, you know, some stuff goes crazy in the early game. And then like the, the underdog or whatever gets this lead and uses that lead to snowball. Um, they actually did so well in controlling side waves mm-hmm. to pressure TSM later. There were, there were multiple points where TSM were funneled into like one decision uh, and, and their options were almost completely cut off because Misfits had already prepped both side waves. You know, they're pressuring on the Baron. And so TSM, multiple points, they're like sitting around mid and they're like, our only option is to go force a fight right now because Misfits set up so many moving parts. And I also think that in those fights, POE to me, yes, I, I think that the Zaya was a standout. Hansama did a lot of damage to all this. But to me, a lot of it did hinge on the fact that POE was able to so effectively pressure double lift in the team fights. And... I was actually watching this game, despite the fact that the early game, you know, bot lane was tragic for TSM. They had essentially scaled up. They had gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, this is probably too hard to execute in a team fight for PoE, right? I just think that sure. LeBlanc is very tough to pull off in team fights against, you know, someone like a Syndra and against these, this sort of comp where you jump forward, you get blown up, you get CC'd, whatever. But he was able to pull it off so incredibly well, and I thought that enabled the Zai to play very aggressively. But I definitely do have a few bones to pick, I think, with A, the comp from TSM, and B, mm-hmm. uh, how they actually manage the early game. Because you know, straight from the level one, when I see them zoning in the game, I see the call picked up from Doublelift, I see Fervor on the Kog'Maw. Yep. To me, you know, both of those is like, you're so disrespectful kind of to your opponents there. When you're playing against a Gragas, you're, to me, the, the lane that's going to be pressured. You're not with a Lulu or a Janna, like someone who has as Some much super shield for yeah. you. So 
Of course, that was the oh. Nami game. Well, right? hold yeah. on, though. Yeah. I have to say that that is actually very strong. Nami actually is really good in the lane phase. Yeah, Nami is yeah. good lane the phase, prob- but it's not defensive. Like it's not it's not someone who could peel a Gragas off you if you get ganked. I I think that the the mistake was in how they played it out afterwards. I actually think Kogma with Call with the Nami in your lane there is fine. But the start from Double Lift, he went by himself without Biofrost to go harass them on red, and he got chunked to. Like twenty five percent or something. To he start that back lane. up to full after that. The, before that, before well, he died, it, though. it took no. He did not. Yes, he did. No, he did not. It took like three minutes or something. He was constantly trying to heal Wasn't back up. Wasn't both eighty carries super low for the vast majority exactly. of that lane? He phase. did not heal back up to full. Yeah, we'd have to watch it again. What I remember is when he got back to lane, Biofrost actually used most of his heals to harass. Yeah, he yes, did. right. But so double was pretty low the whole he, time. He had to blow his potion sur- super early on, and he still wasn't back at full. To me, well. That's why he got we, harassed we, we, down. We, we, so we can go back yeah. and check later. But check I, either way, like I, I think that the so I don't have as much problem with Cull. Like I think that going if you're going something like Warlords, like that helps you so much through the laning phase. And to me, when you're in a lane, when you're on a champion that needs to scale, like going more defensively in lane is okay because it's more about surviving. And that's also the vulnerability like of of this lane to me. Like Nami is a good laning two v two, but is vulnerable to ganks. You know, they are vulnerable to roams. You know, Pee-wee even talked in the post-game interview, how you're supposed to play this mid lane matchup is, okay, well, Sindra's supposed to win the lane, but I'm supposed to go kill a side lane, right? Yeah. And you have Gragas and you have a roaming LeBlanc and you're starting Cole and Fervor instead of like, if this is a D-Shield Warlords Kogma, I feel like it's so much easier to stay at high health. It's so much easier to kind of survive this lane and absorb that pressure. And to me, that was kind of just like, I felt like a, a bit of a disrespectful choice. You know what also makes it easier to stay at full health? Not getting chunked to 20% <laughs> at level one. <laughs> but my, my question is, um, now if let's say TSM play a different bot lane, right? Let's say they show a little bit more respect towards Han Summer and Ignar. Um, I don't even have a problem with we, the bot lane. I just but, have a yeah, yeah, but, setup. but let's just say, like, um, do we still think the Misfits would have been able to win? Because like, I think everyone can agree that Double lift and bio did disrespect Han Sao and Ignan. Like as you already said, the way they played that lane was very disrespectful, and they they, they could have played it in other ways. Um, but then Misfits, they they slowed down. They were four zero, and then you actually the game was neutralized by TSM. They got two barons, and they got um, uh, they may not have gotten the other Drake later, but they managed to equalize the game, like they have done in every game so far so- at groups. And I'm just wondering, like, do we think TSM? now has a big weakness in their early game or is there like are they just getting lucky are they just finding those clutch moments to win games i don't think that that was like necessarily you can say a big weakness i think that the bot lane whether whatever it was whether it was level one trade whether it's itemization whether it's combination it's probably a number of things you know nami using heals offensively it's it's everything right Mm -hmm. with how poorly that bot lane went if the bot lane didn't go poorly i think tsm wins that game pretty easily for the simple fact that hauntzer was smashing top lane and syndra has has a big cs advantage mid lane like Pressure is heavily in TSM's favor in top and mid. I think that the way that Misfits was able to actually like stay in the game and 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 be able to be successful was through abusing bot, right? And I think that like in a game where they're able to better absorb the pressure and, and stay more around even, I think that, that becomes an extremely hard game for Misfits yeah. when LeBlanc has to go back to mid lane, 40 CS down, Shen's down 40 CS and has lost his turret. One know? thing I will say is uh, while TSM has had those bad starts in all three games where they've opened zero kills to four against Flash Wolves, zero kills to three against Team WE, zero kills to four against Misfits, is in the games they won, when they equalized the gold, they equalized it on the carries. In this game, the gold was equalized thanks to a difference between a Renekton and a Shen. 
which isn't nearly as valuable when they're starting to play the macro game. Mm -hmm. So if TSM is going to continue to play this like hyper passive early game where they're just playing defense because they think they can like, I don't know, be like SKT and win the late game decision making, they have to have better carry protection. Like it needs to be Hanser who's out on an island or even Bjergsen would be fine as long as their AD carry in the late game is, is in a good place because double lift, I mean, he also played really badly. I think we checked to use flash once in 46 minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the I, entire game. Yeah. I, and there were a lot of situations where he was dead to rights and shouldn't have flashed anyway, yeah. but there were a few moments where the flash definitely <laughs> would have helped. And I know we we're talking a lot about this game because I think it was a very, very interesting one, especially with low well, expectations. For it's Misfits. the game that makes the group diverse exactly, yeah. because yeah. without this game, it's another three Oh two one one two. Yeah. So I, I want to ask, like, ask you guys also about what you guys thought about Doublelift's build. Cause to me, his build was pretty standard. It makes a lot of sense with a John or Lulu, but Nami in team fight stage, you know, everything's over with lane you know, whatever he's, he's got a lot of items you're not actually having anywhere near the same level of protection, especially when you have, you know, a number of champions that are diving like the Renekton and, and these people who are going forward. Cinder's not really going to be protecting you. You don't have a John or Lulu. So I actually felt like this was a gang for like Tank Kogma where you're going like Frozen Mallet and Ma and you're going like very defensively because you don't have that sort of peel. And that was more what I was expecting out of this team comp for the team fight style because, you know, we saw how quickly he was popped in a lot of these team fights and it's you don't have anywhere near that level of protection so you have to yeah. be self-sustaining like i feel if this is a game where you just go rage blade frozen mallet ma you know like like mercurial etc you go very very defensive that makes so much more sense to me in this style of game because he didn't have to maximize dps to kill leblanc right he just has to not die at the very start and then add some form of damage and his soul laners i felt like could carry I, i'm mostly sure misfits first picked jana right in this game, I don't yes. remember. They yeah, did. they did. I remember it was, they did. Yeah, yeah, it was That's Jana. like, yes, I think a more self-protecting Cogma would have been better. Mm -hmm. Zaya would have been the best. Yeah, <laughs> like without having the actual super protectors for Cogma, I think that pick loses a lot of value. And I know we have these other points, like there's a different way they could have played the lane phase, and maybe there's they could have actually won with game. Nami and Cogma and then never fallen behind. But like, Zaya's super good, especially when. Uh, they also could have gone yeah, Kama. That's a self-peel support right but away. They may have yeah. been just worried about giving up then John Cock, right? Because then you're getting yep, over that sure, very strongly sure. into your opponent. So there's, there's sure. a lot going into it. At the end of the day, Misfits, I think, played incredibly well. And that has really shaken up the yeah. group. But we should t probably talk a little bit about, uh, you know, WE. And even, like, we haven't really touched on and, them. Well, even just who's going to get out of the group and whether or not WE is reliable. Because, uh, like, WE lost the game to TSM, but probably looked better than everyone else when closing out their other two opponents. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, uh, w is pretty scary when they get that early lead. They, uh, I think a lot of it hinges on the success of Condi. But I think like this is also something that we discussed a lot at length coming into the tournament, which was like, WE seems to not rely on early leads, but they come across as a very well-rounded team. They, they know they're specialized or they're known within the LPL for being really good team fighters. Mystic in particular is considered one of, if not the best AD carry from mm -hmm. uh, the LPL analysts. And then uh, when you actually watch them play, one of the big weaknesses they have is they ever fall behind. They, they're a team that also don't take risks. They're very patient. Right. They wait. They look for an opportunity to punish. Um, and I think that that's a big part of why in the TSM game, they fell behind so dramatically because they, uh, 
No, but actually that game they even got nearly lead, right? And then yeah. they neutralized and then they it all did. just fell apart. So I don't know what's going on with WE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's they've definitely yeah. been they've definitely been a little bit inconsistent. And they've also been here longer than the other teams because they had to play in the play in and mm-hmm. technically got a lot of warming up. The big question to me is the difference between like Ben and Zero. It definitely feels like they want to play Ben. Uh, but he's had some really bad games, and they've been putting in zero within that. Because if that bottom lane stabilizes, I feel like, that fixes their bottom lane, fixes their team fighting, because the team does play around Mystics. So I think that's one of the big inconsistencies they've been working with. But with that being said, WE's mostly playing to my expectations. And I think there's a really good chance, uh, this may be an unpopular opinion, but based on TSM's really rough early game and looking too much like, I don't want to make a mistake, MSI TSM, I have WE as the favorite in this group going into week two. I would have to say that a lot of the early game stuff too, um, especially if you're looking at across the table at WE uh, with Condi, Sven Skaren, um has consistently been caught out in the river in the early game, trying to get some wards, you know, for his team, trying to get mm-hmm. vision for the team. It's to, to be fair, you know, it's often been against a team that has a Shen or something and they're ready to teleport in on him. But he, he puts himself in, in a lot of these positions and it hasn't seemed like TSM have been working uh, very well together for early vision. And I think early vision might be the cause of a lot of this, this early game problems that, that you're bringing up because mm-hmm. uh, they'll often give over a kill or something in, in the efforts to try and get that. He's actually 0, 10, and 15, I believe, KDA uh, yeah. throughout the first three games. So 1.5 KDA, not that bad, man. There you go, above, <laughs> above one, looking great. I actually think, though, I have... I have less faith in WE perhaps than you guys. Because yeah. when I think about, so yes, TSM has had issues. You know, Misfits has, I think, looked massively better in the in the most recent two games, though, than in their first game. To me, in their first game, it looked like a completely different team. I personally had chalked up a lot of that to nerves. It was all five of these players' first time at Worlds. Their first game on stage was against WE. They did not look competitive whatsoever. You know, that's one win for WE. They got pretty badly beat i thought by tsm as far as like they had a lot of opportunities to win and i didn't think that they were very impressive in that game and then when i looked at the flash wolves game this was the game that you know you were saying maybe even flash wolves was tilted because i actually thought flash wolves was atrocious against we so you know when i look at the the strength of their wins it's hard for me to say right because that's what makes this this group so hard to predict and so interesting because there's things to take away from every team, right? Flash Wolves had an awful first week, but we know that they have had big games in the past. We know they could take games off these teams. Misfits had an awful first game, but, you know, strong two games, and TSM has had a bad early game. All the teams have had weaknesses. So, predictions? I got WE, TSM, Misfits, Flash Wolves, but I would not be surprised if Flash Wolves finishes 2-4, and which could make this group really strange. Who would they get their wins from? I don't know, right? Because... All three of these teams, there are reasons, like you just outlined for mm-hmm. Team WE, to not be confident. Sure. Uh, there's reason not to be confident for TSM. Same with Misfits, just because of their inexperience and how you know close the TSM game was, very easy that they show up at one and two. So, I suck tough. at predictions, Jat. Um, <laughs> just make one? So, I'm just, yeah, I would just make one. And believe in it. Okay, I'm going to believe in this, okay, right? What is it? I believe that TSM will not make it out of this group. Okay. And I believe that it will be WE Misfits, TSM Flash Wolves. How many games will Flash Wolves win? One. 
All right, there we and go. And a part of me thinks, I actually think that that, that could be, it. yeah, but I actually think that could be that one upset will be against. I just think TSM, TSM is right. going to get exactly. that upset. If I just TSM think- loses <laughs> to Flash Wolves, that crushes their chances in this group, I, right? Awesome. Because they lose that, they lose another one, they go three and three, they might lose some tiebreaker somewhere, and then they're out. I still have TSM first. I still think that I have faith that they're going to bounce back. I, I do think that they are a strong team. I think that if you can shape up a little bit in the early game, they've looked very good for, for the majority of the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that Misfits was more impressive to me than than WE in That's week fair. one. So I think it's going to be TSM, Misfits, WE. Just, just very quickly, how confident are you guys in TSM's ability to adapt from week to week? I didn't watch all of their regular season, so I don't know how much growth they've shown us for all space of time. If we're talking about the North American LCS, LCS I am supremely confident. Right. But something about this team and how they look towards the world championship the whole year is this holy grail of when they must perform. The dynamic changes. It's a different team that I see on the international stage than right. I see domestically. So based on that, not Barry. Yeah, TSM, you have this feeling like there's so much pressure on the players and, and all of these different things come uh, and kind of cloud their heads during during the, the world stage. Whereas Misfits, I love the attitude that you see from all the Misfits players in any of their interviews. You know, Maxwell's just like, yep, we're going to win. And you're like, yeah. they all have this happy-go-lucky, <laughs> nothing to lose, like bunch of rookies we're just messing stuff up for everybody else now this is fun (laughs) like it does seem like they they really won't at any point have be the victims of of some type of pressure like that so i think that would definitely be a big advantage uh for them as well as how good they actually did look in their game versus tsm as far as their later game strategy however all that pro (laughs) misfit stuff uh, and, and I, I think I'm still going to put them third. And my reasoning for putting TSM, then WE, uh, both above them is kind of the same for both teams where you're talking about your faith in TSM, Azale, um, to recover over the next few days and practice through and uh, examine those issues that they had in week one. I have that same faith and I'm applying it to WE, even though... I thought that that was going to occur from play-ins to group stages, mm-hmm. uh, and there were definitely more problems that they showed in play-ins, and they did patch uh, quite a bit of those up, um, especially Mystic had some quite good games where um, I, would, I definitely had a question mark for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is why I would, I'm going to make mine TSM, then WE, then Misfits, um, and Flash Wolves, I believe, are going to win zero games. In I, week two. I Ouch. love the so, diversity. Someone will be right. Yeah. Because we've gotten we every prediction. <laughs> just just uh, very quickly, the schedule is Misfits versus Flash Wolves first, followed by WE TSM. That's a big game. And oh then God. it's Flash Wolves WE. So that's perfect. Like that's just perfect for yeah, Misfits. Misfits could take a very early lead in the group, or they could be upset, right? Yeah. So. And then the final day of groups is going to actually be group A, that is mm-hmm. SKT, C9, EDG, and AHQ. Yeah, and this one, I hazard to say it, is the most clean cut of the crew. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think EDG is just completely boom then? Yeah, I think they can beat AHQ to tie for third. I think that's completely boom as that's far as it. they're considering. That's it. That's uh, West Doors Bramble Vest, not going to work twice. <laughs> they're going to have a counter <laughs> I think it works once. <laughs> I, I, I think you, everything else works. What are you talking about? As soon as they saved up and then Results he sold it. Results-based analysis, baby. <laughs> um, Bramble and, Vest on Corky, 100% yeah, win so this, I think this is a good time to kind of jump into the NA rabbit hole of why do they always do well in week one and then fail in week two, and why uh, at least – this year for Immortals and C9, I'm a little bit more co- confident in the last years is like 
C9 has just been executing very well, and it doesn't seem like it's because people don't know what they're going to do, yeah. so to speak. Like they're they're trying to target their strategy, and C9 still pulling it off anyway, and they have been doing it since the play-in stage, so it's already like week three for them technically. And it, they're not doing a singular strategy, right? If you yes. remember, I know this is going to be difficult for you guys, but remember Vigar. two years ago, yes, back to the 0-10 second week, <laughs> it was Cloud9 with the sieging with the Vagar strategy. Vagar well, Trist. They they got uh, you know multiple wins off of that early on, and we were all nervous going into week two. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Having watched those games, we were all like, Oh man, they uh, you know, not not too varied of strategies. Here. Yeah, <laughs> CLG year two, where it was just, just on a first pick every game as well. Yeah, well, legitimately, yeah. CLG was two one, C nine was three zero, TSM was one two, yeah. and then the week was zero nine plus a lost tiebreaker for zero yeah, ten. Yeah. <laughs> and then last year was triple two one, and everyone went one and two the next week with a yeah. loss to Albus Knox Luna and that kind of stuff. There was a lot of champion based stuff that yes. year, right? You were like, okay, so much of the wins hinge on X champion, and. I don't feel like this year it's the same scenario. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, all the points that you're saying about C9 are, are pretty true about Immortals as well. Playing through bot lane, they have been playing kind of the same way that they've been playing for a long time. They've shown a lot of the same mistakes that they've been showing for a long time. One of the things that kind of gave me confidence in the NA teams is I think that, especially for C9 and Immortals, they showed the same strengths that they had in NA. They've showed the same weaknesses that they have in NA. This is just telling me, well, they're playing around their level and their level is this. Yeah. Do you have any new things? Like, is it just going to be SKT, C9, HQ, and EDG at the bottom? I think, yeah. Um, I'm surprised by Cloud9 coming into group stages. I thought that their playstyle was super linear. As you guys have rightly identified, they're playing exactly the same way that I think they had been uh, since playoffs. Mm -hmm. And Dignitas beat them, right? Like, it was 3-1 to They did. They beat them 3-1 in, like, a really crazy fourth game. Right. And yeah. I was then you see them again play against CLG and they seem to just be all around much better and that's how they qualify for Worlds and I'm thinking but yeah. I still Impact thought, really stepped up since he then. has exactly that. A big difference. and I think that like watching C9 I was like okay for them to properly play around this mid strategy they need everybody to step up individually because you have to have Sneaky also not losing bot lane two versus two and Impact to he's going to be a key part exactly that and I just think you've got a lot of individuals stepping up and it's still allowing them to play the strat that they. Uh, no, and also I just think their team fighting later on has gotten better too. So I think yeah. that uh, Cloud9 seem to have boot camped pretty well. They seem to have learned a fair amount, but also um, a lot of praise to the uh, Shen pick into Scout mm-hmm. because I think that if if, it, <laughs> if what they said is uh, if if what we believe to be true and that they actually Hard kicked it intentionally, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then I think that was smart. It was so funny the all in from Scout with Lucian at, at that moment. That tilted me so bad. You, it, <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. You're watching Jensen's movement and you're like, wow, that bait is way too obvious. He knows they have a level six Shen, yeah. right? He knows they can't see any of the other members. That's way too obvious. He'll never, oh God, Scott. He went in for it. <laughs> yeah, and do you want, let's talk about the tragedy of EDG for a little again. bit. <laughs> yeah. Scout goes one way, full steam ahead. But let's talk about the tragedy of EDG because they had a, 10,000 gold late game lead against AHQ oh. and a 10,000 gold early game lead against SKT. If they play like a little better in the <laughs> mid to late game, they're tied for first in this group. Like, how, yeah. should we be saying they're a super boom? I, I still have some faith. Maybe I shouldn't, but I had faith with the, in them going into this group. So I don't think it's as clear cut because I also think most of us would have put them second or third. For yeah. Sure. I mean, I think I had them second. I had them um, second. Yeah. You know, SKT has also kind of shown some weakness, although they did mm-hmm. win their, all their games, right. They, they, they did have some chances to lose. And one of the big things to me about EG, I think their biggest problem is 
they just think about how they're supposed to win, not about how their opponents are supposed to win. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm Lucian, it is Indra, so I play aggressive and I kill him. Great. Oh, wait, they have a Shen. That's how they win. Okay. Uh, you know, thinking is that about their accent. The, the EDG, <laughs> that wasn't even an accent. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> EDG into SKT. Azale always does that voice when he's like, oh, okay, go. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. It's just the standard Azale voice. Got it. Uh, so EDG into SKT. And you think about, if you think about how SKT wins that game, everyone knows the only possible way they win is this crazy wombo combo where everyone groups up. And what does EDG give them, right? To me, again, they're just thinking, okay, what do we do next for our comp? Well, we shove out the mid lane. We do this. They don't think about their opponent's win conditions. And that, I think, is is their biggest issue. I really thought that even though EDG were like, okay, they had this 10,000 gold lead versus uh, HQ, and then they lost, and then had the same thing versus SKT. I thought those games were so completely different and left such completely different impressions on me. Like, after the, the their one versus HQ, I was like, oh, God, they are bad. Like, that was... How did how did they not win that game, right? Because you're yeah. you're just looking at all these things and and maybe some of the comical stuff like Bramble vs Corky early on and still losing and all that yeah. type of Rando stuff led to that sort of impression, right? But the one versus SKT, I couldn't help but be super impressed in how they got that lead early yeah. on, right? Yeah. And then when they lost it, it wasn't like you know they were to me it wasn't like they were making these huge blunders. It, no, it was, was small. it was like oh, okay, there's this small pocket of fog of war on the side. And yes, you can be like, okay, you probably should not be, um, you know, grouping up four people, you know, next to a pocket like that when the enemy mm-hmm. team has Recon. But that to me was such a, a small mistake compared to their ones versus AHQ that I was just like, well done, SKT. Of like, course. That engage yeah. was godlike. And They're like the after, only team who can pull off that comeback. Yeah. And even after that engage happened, they still won another fight yeah. when they had the Kog'Maw go off in the bottom lane, but they just couldn't pull it together. So, like, the peaks of this team uh, and the valleys of this team are so stark. Like, Scout deservedly flamed for the game against C9 and the late game against AHQ was like 3 and 0 against Faker. And solo killed Westdoor multiple times in that game and had the best laning stats of anyone at Worlds going into that game against C9. Like, there are things about this team that worked uh, and things that didn't work in a really big way. So, like, like we say with Flash Wolves, we have an 0-3 team in every group, which is actually pretty rare at Worlds. A lot of times you'll have, like, the double 1-2s at the bottom. If they are not super boom, like, if their mentality actually is there, there are enough good things about this team. The LPL champions, number one seed from China... Like that could do something in this group is just we don't expect it based off what we've seen. Worlds, baby. And the the funniest thing about Scout to me is I actually think he performs basically the same way in every single game. He it's just, just how you play against him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it, he, I he think you're absolutely right about your that. Your opponents change because he is really good. He's super great mechanically. He's amazing as far as actually how he plays most of the time in lane. I think he's extremely dominant, but he plays with no respect to his opponents. It's, it's almost like. I'm so much better than you that it doesn't matter what you do. I will just smash this idiot. And then he plays with no respect, and Shen turns him down, or or he's getting counter ganked. He never plays, you know, around what his opponents could do to him. So yeah. you just have to play around that. Because even the SKT game, he was face checking against like three people, and he just like dashed 17 times on Lucian yeah, and get three and he's kills. Super he's super like, Whoa, he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but he face checked. Shouldn't have been so. in the first place, but he's good enough to pull it off when he's ahead. All right, so is this is this C9 boom or how, what's your, what's your confidence level in C9 getting out of this group? SKT's through, I think. For sure. We have a 100% confidence. Confidence of C9 cuz either ADG has to come back from the grave at 03 or AHQ actually has to beat C9. 
So I, I see I see C9 getting out, not because I think it's they're just gonna slam the group in the second week, but because they have a they have a two game lead over EDG. Yeah. I have confidence that they can beat AHQ and that's the only game they have to win. Yes. Because as long as they beat AHQ and, and SKT beats EDG, SKT beats EDG yeah. which I would bet on then that's how I think they make it out of the group. I think they could beat EDG. I think, you know, they're talking about confidence against SKT. I don't have that confidence yet. Yeah. But I think it's an easy group because they have a two-game advantage. And the uh, the day ends, final day of groups. The final game is SKT versus EDG. So it, that could potentially oh be God. the game the farewell that decides. Tour. Or, or it could not decides. matter at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will they go 0-6? Can they beat SKT? <laughs> <laughs> that would be... Sad to watch in, in this fans, but thank you guys for watching the four groups. We got Twitter questions now. We had 16 teams to talk about, which is why I think this was a little bit longer than your normal episode. Every group, it's actually right on track for being normal. I am an uh, hour and 15 minutes. Right we had a preamble for testing the audio, oh, remember? So it's I... only an hour and 10 minutes. All right, so <laughs> Fingers crossed that this audio actually works and goes out, by the way. Because, <laughs> all right, first question here from Tainted Aircon He says, EDG Fanatic Flashles, which is the most likely to win a game, which is the least likely? So, quick hits, who do you think? I, I think. Most likely to win a game, I would say EDG. Least likely, Fnatic. I think they are boom. The disrespect of Fenerbahce, 1907, man. Well, he didn't ask. Maybe he's just assuming they're going to go. <laughs> no, he no, has I think so it, much respect. I think it makes a better question. I say the most likely to win a game. Fnatic I'm is the most likely to win a game. They will not lose. Most the likely, who's Marines. least likely then? Quick hits. Uh, uh, Flash Wolves. I think the Flash Wolves are least likely. Yeah, because I already predicted in oh, that group man. that they wouldn't win one. Um, but I, I'm going with a, uh, EDG as far as who's going to win gonna a game. Grab one. Oh, Guys, it's and Marines. then there was Fnatic Jack. will not lose the Gigabyte Marines yeah. again. Uh, they, they just <laughs> won't. Uh, Flash Wolves most likely to win. Fnatic most likely not to. All I right. think they're the most boom. All uh, right. Hi. Next question from Sean Shannon. Uh, he says, who is your standout player from each group and your Dade from each group? Do we want to just do yeah. maybe one standout a player? A quick explanation Dade? for the Dade award is super hype before Worlds to largest drop-off. So it has to be someone you expect it to be great. And I'd say we just do so, one for the whole tournament. So Japlet Right now Scout. it is Scout. <laughs> Scout number 11, <laughs> right? Say, Scout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Dade was like two in yeah. the year, but he also made it to the semifinals that year. And I think the Dade Award also has like ripple effects to his demise in the LPL and like the future <laughs> level of Dade. But uh, I think mm, right the now parallels. Mm. Yeah, right now it's it's Scout. Yeah, I agree with that. So who's the but most? Who's the biggest stand? Scout then? did a lot of boosted things, but he still got good. Well, so, really good so hold on, because yeah. that award also like coming into this, we were very well aware of you know his Scout tendencies. and and exactly the tendencies uh, and him getting punished in the regular season. Like yeah, the final was like amazing, yeah. getting super carried stuff. But we did see him do some similar stuff. Yeah, I mean, is the Dada Award like so as? What about Carsa? So I mean, Ooh. I know a lot of people had had like analysts had lower expectations for Carsa, but if you're looking big mm -hmm. picture, Carsa's still very hyped up. Yeah, I feel like he has done nothing. Where I think Maple That's has fair. been trying to drag the dead mm. body of Flash Wolves across the finish line a few times. Carsa <laughs> uh, has been that dead body. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I think I, agree. Agree. I, I like that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, Trying to think of other like good super. Yeah. You could also Those hit with Mystic, best player. I was gonna say Mystic was Mystic was hyped up as being the best AD carry at the entire tournament. Yeah. Uh, by some analysts, by some yeah, yeah by some <laughs> analysts. Uh, and I think right pray. now, and I think right now nobody would say. Like, sure. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that before, but I would not say that now yeah. either. I think um, that's a good list of front runners. Who's your high highs then? Who's your best players from from the first week? So like best players, I actually thought the uh, 
like the best of the rift list from each group that I think you guys did on the analyst desk was pretty good at identifying people from each group. But the biggest overperformer based on like who you're actually looking to succeed on the world stage, I think was Jensen uh, and contracts as like a duo contracts has been smashing uh, with, Basically, yeah. carry warrior junglers and doing a bunch of damage I as well as Jensen Smash. Honsa is another good yeah. one. Honsa Uzi, <laughs> Uzi, yeah, has been uh, yeah. very good. BDD as well. has been kickass. That's I, a lot of players, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. We got three O teams in multiple groups. All right, is that it for Twitter? You got one more. Uh, we got one more here, and the last question is. Uh, do we want to get into this one? Because this one would be a bit longer. Okay, so can we, <laughs> can we please discuss how NA has never looked better now the LCS is reverting to BO1s? Is NA success coincidence or was it the BO3s? So first oh, off, man. group oh. stages are BO1s. Yeah. And and while I, like my personal opinion, I'll just do it quick. While yeah. I do think that it, BO1s makes it, you know, it, it's less likely to have the, the best team get out of out of each group. I still think the best teams win the tournament every year. Faker is 19-2 and two in group stages. Yep. If Korea always wins their groups. The best teams win the tournament. Yes, I think if you did, you know, friggin' best of fives or best of tens or whatever for every single game, it would change who gets in the quarterfinals and maybe in rare circumstances semifinals. But I think the winners are the best teams. Yeah, and this question is a bit of a landmine because I know best of ones is a pretty controversial topic. And I mean... We did an episode on the dive with Kobe and I, and then the two directors of Mm -hmm. esports, Waylon and Jared. And I think if I were to do that episode again, there's one thing that I don't think we necessarily touched on well was for the people that like best of threes, how much it hurts for that to go away, right? Because there is no denying that, like, you are more likely to find like the best team in every regular season match playing three games versus playing one, but. I don't think by much is the thing that like why I'm still okay with best of ones in the long run. As you mentioned, Korean teams absolutely Dude, dominating that stuff. Finals. Right. And just the, the way the sport goes, like you're still playing league of legends and league of legends is a self-contained game with elements that come from outside the game and pre-series adaptation. That's another thing about like uh, G2 and why the best of one argument tilts me or why when I heard like Max Lore say, well, I don't know how to play in the group stage. I've never played best of ones before. Have you played game one of a game of a three game series? Congrats. That's your best of one. And then obviously you get to play after that, but you're still fundamentally playing the same game where you're trying to predict what your opponents do versus what you're going to do. Yeah. I would say the, the thing that is different um, and the adaptation argument that people are making for the best of threes is one thing that wouldn't be tested on stage. And the question is how much of that uh, can be trained and and everything during you know just the regular season within scrims right mm-hmm. because we're not when you move to best of ones obviously we're going to drop the um undeniable more games and and better practice of uh ad- ad- adapting on stage yeah but with if everybody comes in you know whenever they're going to an international tournament and are focusing that in their scrims like is that similar how much how much does it actually mean how much do you learn about your team trying yeah. to adapt on the stage in the normal season like is that pressure even there in the normal season and how much more do you learn and this is when people will start flaming that really like best of threes playing in higher pressure games during the regular season because a best of one is inherently higher pressure than game one or game two of a best of three series and if you're not making a past group stage then it's not going to matter what you're actually doing on stage during the regular season so i think it's a very long discussion and i think it's absolutely valid to hold opinions on both sides and i do think that um best of threes like that that would provide you know basically more practice and better practice however the the discussion is mostly like how much is that difference right exactly and there's so many other things that influence whether or not a team is good or not but we've had this discussion 
a million times. It's a long community discussion. We're not going to solve it here on the dice. So very small point. Then. Not in a Twitter question, probably. Devi- Are you sure? <laughs> deviating from that, I did see one brief question about the style. About pocket squares? About pocket squares. Crumbs asked us, what are pocket squares and how do they work? Yeah. <laughs> As people that never score highly on the style ranking. Dude, I was so tilted by I that. I think it's, uh, it's a as, sham. As I refuse it is to conform to pocket squares. All the casters. All of the casters. That's my biggest thing with it. Like, we aren't the ones choosing this. Yeah. They, they give us an outfit and you're tell really, us to wear you're, yeah. really just, you're rating the person who's dressing us yes. for the different people. It's like, ooh, you really fucked Azalea's shit up. <laughs> Today, but the Vigio, he's looking good. So some people get their own stuff though, like shots. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The girls obviously both all. Um, yeah, OC I stuff. think does. I'm pretty sure Vigio yeah. got that suit uh, himself. He said he chose what to bring, but he doesn't choose his clothes. Yeah, I I chose <laughs> so what to bring. I have a bunch of stuff, but I don't. I don't. I have zero fashion sense. I did not I don't, choose my clothes dude, or yeah. what to bring. And I love not having to choose my clothes. That it's is my wonderful, favorite part of the But show. I refuse to conform to pocket squares. If people are gonna put me at number nine every week, like I don't yeah. care. Is the pocket square really what makes the outfit? No, it's yeah. the smile. That's what truly <laughs> makes according, the outfit. According to the the fashion thread, it is. Yeah, I had a bunch of people in there being like, I would have put you and Jad at top five. You know, and I was just like, yeah, clearly it's just a personal opinion. There's going to be a debate about who gets to control this list going forward. Yeah, currently, will. it's just this one mysterious <laughs> voice. He's got a monopoly. Yeah, he's he's doing, what happens he's if none great. of the casters wear pocket squares? It's just big yeah. pocket square. The big pocket square industry <laughs> trying to warp all our opinions. He's trying to, he's like, on day 16, he's like, by the way, I know a great website where you could buy some pocket squares. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, aside from seeing who's going to make it out of groups, we're going to get to see how many pocket squares we wear on week two. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for the dive this week. Thank you, Vettius, for joining me. us. Just great a shout job, out Vettius. to those people that are actually listening to the end of the episode. World starts three hours earlier than it did last oh, week because of the possibility of tiebreakers. So make sure whatever time zone you were tuning in, three hours before that is when the group stages are going to start on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, yeah, we'll see you there.